Chapter Thirteen of Eight Girls and a Dog by Carolyn Wells. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Hide and seek. And so the days dance on, each one happier than the last, and all too short for the amount of fun that had been crammed into them. Wheeling, walking, boating, bathing, fishing, crabbing were favorite amusements. But best of all, the girls loved to play some rollicking frolicking game that called forth peals of laughter which had no cause save sheer gladness of living let's play hide-and-seek said betty one morning all right said jessie loyally but lazily you go and hide and cry coop and we'll all come and find you no i don't mean that baby way i mean a nice new way i've invented it myself just now and it's gay elucidate further said marjorie looking up from her work which was the combing of timmy lou's silvery tangled curls it's a gorgeous game went on betty but it's not adapted to or for dogs if the nondescript mop in your lap goes by that name he'll have to be buried before we can proceed buried indeed my own my only timmy lou cried marjorie caressing the moppy mass in question not that not that i pray you but if really necessary i could secrete him with a kind neighbor until your wild project has fizzled out well listen then said betty we'll all hide you know and find each other one by one and the one who stays hidden longest gets a prize beautiful beautiful sighed marguerite but what is the prize might it be worth winning the prize can be that photograph i took of you girls in your bathing suits said hester i'll never be able to get another as good and it's so funny it's worth having so it is cried nan i'd love to have it but you vowed you were going to keep it yourself hester i know but i'm so noble i offer it freely in this noble cause besides i may win it sure enough cried betty now let's begin dispose of timmy lou marjorie and then come into the grotto rosie called marjorie won't you please take this valuable high-bred morsel of caninity over to mrs warburton's and then you may go for a run on the beach twill do you good and besides we want to use the whole of this palatial residence for a while rosie departed beaming as usual and the girls went into the parlor and betty closed the door now said she we first draw lots for the seeker this ceremony was gone through with and the lot fell upon helen i'm glad of it said she i'd far rather hunt than hide next said betty the rest of us must draw these numbered papers and we'll draw and i'll tell you each took a folded paper and millicent's proved to be number one then you go first said betty we'll give you two minutes by helen's watch in that time you must have hidden yourself either in this house or about its large and spacious grounds no fair going off the premises millicent departed on tiptoe closing the door after her and betty continued i'm second so when the two minutes are up i'll go and hide 
and you allow me also my two minutes in which to tuck myself away then so on until all are gone but our helen our pride and joy after the last two minutes she starts to hunt and the first one she finds goes with her to hunt the others and so on you know until all are found but one who is of course the lucky owner of hester's masterpiece of photographic art the two minutes passed and betty went to hide then the others one by one until at last helen was ready to start on her hunting expedition they wouldn't be so babyish as to hide behind doors she thought as she looked behind several however it's best to be systematic i'll open every door and see acting on this plan she opened the door of the sideboard as she passed that old-fashioned and roomy piece of furniture and to her surprise there was the chubby marguerite squeezed in between two shelves oh help me out she cried i'm nearly dead it was a close fit but helen pulled her out and together they continued the search someone would be sure to hide in the kitchen declared the canny matron so they explored the cupboards there and as might have been expected away back behind some pots and pans was hester who looked angrily at her discoverers i thought i had such a good place she said crawling out however did you find me come on cried helen it's getting to be more fun let's find the others let's get some buns and milk first said marguerite i'm fearfully hungry and the sight of the cake box maddens me so the three sat down to a light repast and as they fell to chatting they quite forgot the game and the other players thereof well you're a nice lot said marjorie suddenly appearing from the cellar i hid in the coal bin and i'm sure you never would have found me but when i heard you talking up here i thought you had all the rest never mind said hester you're on our side come on let's dig up the others nan was easily found as she had climbed out of her bedroom window and was calmly sitting on the roof gazing at the sea you needn't have hurried on my account she said i just as lief sit here all day jessie was discovered next standing in a wardrobe among a lot of dresses which she had fondly hoped would conceal her and they would have done so save that her head showed above them and her feet below then the six began to hunt for betty and millicent it was really a hunt for they looked in every likely place and a great many unlikely ones without success they went downstairs and out of doors only to return in search from cellar to attic at last jessie who was peering through the dim dusty recesses of the low-ceiled attic saw an old trunk and throwing it open found betty cramped and aching but game to the last oh the mistletoe bough oh the mistletoe bough sang jessie as she helped betty out am i the last cried betty looking at the girls who came trooping up to her hiding-place no millicent is still missing said marjorie then she gets the picture said betty looking disappointed and i wanted it never mind peeler said hester i'll take another for you and it will be just as jolly then they hunted for millicent but no trace of her could be found she's been spirited away i'm thinkin said rosie 
who had returned and was much startled at what she thought was an alarming disappearance let's get timmy lou and see if he can't find her said marjorie after they had called and yelled and begged millicent to come to them yes set the bloodhound on her track said nan so timmy lou was brought home and each girl told him what he was to do and showed him millicent's shoes and gloves and dresses until the poor little dog was quite bewildered but he finally understood and with a bound he sprang upon marjorie's bed which by the way was covered with clean shirtwaists and stiffy starched skirts just home from the laundry oh tim get off those clothes cried marjorie but tim only danced around on them and barked then he flew to the pillows and though much tangled up in the frills of one of jessie's clean aprons he burrowed until he disclosed some tangled curls and a tortoiseshell comb there she is cried marjorie and flinging back the counterpane they saw a flushed rosy face i've been asleep said millicent yawning and stretching what do you girls want oh i was hiding wasn't i well i hid in such a nice place i inadvertently took a nap and i've had such lovely dreams get up cried betty you've spoiled all the clean clothes and you've won the prize have i goody and i haven't hurt the clothes a bit tim did though and he woke me up jumping on me then millicent slid out of bed did up her hair and was led downstairs in triumph to receive her prize it was presented by betty because as she said i came next nearest to getting it and so i ought to have the melancholy pleasure of handing it over to me hated rival the presentation speech and the grandiloquent thanks expressed by the recipient caused such hilarity that aunt molly came running over to hear the fun then they told her all about the game and as she was such an appreciative listener they told her much more until suddenly betty cried out oh see that queer-looking person i believe she's coming here and all looked and beheld a tall imperious-looking lady garbed in eccentric fashion stalked toward them at a rapid gait her bonnet was elaborately decked with high feathers which nodded and bobbed in unison with her quick jerky footsteps and over an old-fashioned black silk gown which she wore a rich lace mantilla why it's mrs lennox said aunt molly rising i dare say she's coming to call upon me excuse me girlies i must run home let us go with you cried marjorie i'm sure you'll need protection from that warlike amazon i wouldn't dare face her alone i'll call you over if i feel timid returned aunt molly who was already halfway down the steps sure enough the stranger turned up in aunt molly's gate and marched up the walk as if she were storming a citadel jiminy crickets whispered betty what can she be she's too distinguished for a book agent and too excited for a plain everyday caller she's zenobia cried millicent returning to earth in disguise i think she's collecting a regiment and wants us to join it she's Mernova in modern clothes said betty and she wants aunt molly to take her to board not she said hester she's no summer boarder 
i think she's a dowager countless with several castles of her own by this time they were all watching the old lady who was evidently telling aunt molly a fearful tale of woe for she gesticulated angrily and though the girls could not hear her words they gazed at her bobbing feathers and her clenched hands in sympathy with her trouble whatever it might be suddenly aunt molly called out come over here girlies i want you over flew the octave helter-skelter but they stood up politely enough while aunt molly introduced them to her guest dear mrs lennox continued aunt molly is in a sad dilemma only yesterday but i will ask her to tell you about it herself yes i will tell you cried mrs lennox fairly glaring at the flock of girls who fell in an expectant group at her feet for the tale ought to be blazoned abroad to the four winds of heaven gratitude thou art but an empty name respect honour deference chimeras all chimeras all the girls sat enthralled though millicent with difficulty restrained herself from replying to the old lady in kind we are told went on mrs lennox waving her hand dramatically that this is a free country no graver misstatement was ever made we are slaves and she shook her clenched fist at nan who chanced to be nearest her with such a belligerent air that the poor poet feared she was responsible for the national bondage slaves continued mrs lennox warming to her subject and waving both arms about slaves to our servants the time has come when they rule us they dictate to us they make the laws and we obey them yes'm murmured helen who thought the ensuing pause ought to be filled somehow and now what have my servants done she cried looking from one face to another but too engrossed to notice the various expressions of mirth or bewilderment on each as there was no position to reply she continued what have they done they have left me departed one and all with no word of warning no cause for offence why did they go inquired betty who liked to know reasons for things alas james my butler obtained a fine position in a large hotel in the city and viper that he is he must needs tell all the others about it and one and all from the head cook down to the footman ungratefully left my kind service and followed james to the unknown untried hardships of a city hotel but you can get a new set of servants said aunt molly soothingly of course i can cried mrs lennox bristling up as if her dignity had been menaced of course i can hosts of the best servants in the country are only awaiting an opportunity to come to my service but it takes time to procure and install a new lot and here is the culmination of my dismay but now i received the telegram bidding me accept lady pendering and her daughter to-morrow and to remain with me overnight ah my dear friend you do not know lady pendered but she represents the very flower of british aristocracy her fair daughter lucy is a sweet gem of purest ray serene and they have never known what it is like to have less than twenty servants at their finger-ends and my james was such a paragon of a butler alas alas how sharper than a servant's tooth no 
thankless tooth ah well the quotation has slipped my memory for the moment but i will recall it a noun when are your english friends coming asked aunt molly tomorrow afternoon replied mrs lennox and oh how it would have pleased me if i were but able to offer them such hospitality as tis in my heart to give they can remain with me but twenty-four hours and then they will speed away to publish broadcast the news that miranda lennox has no establishment save one old colored woman and a good-for-nothing boy for those alas are all i can find in this howling wilderness of a seashore town girls was all aunt molly said but she looked volumes of meaning out of her kind clever eyes marjorie was the first to understand and respond of course we can she cried can't we girls it would be the jolliest sort of a lark and a helping hand besides we could said betty but but me no buts cried hester we can and we will vote exclaimed marjorie shall we or shan't we all in favor ay ay yelled the eight and so quickly was it done that mrs lennox still wore a look of frightened bewilderment when marjorie began my dear mrs lennox you want accomplished and experienced servants to permit you to entertain your friends properly we claim to be such and we offer you our services with the greatest pleasure the only condition being that you take the whole eight End of chapter 13